Hello, welcome to the XX Mormon podcast. I am presiding and conducting simultaneously both as Heavenly Mother. And here today with us on the stand is Sister Mary Magdalene. Hello, Sister Mary Magdalene. Hello, everyone. <laughs> welcome. Welcome back. <laughs> well, yeah, welcome back to this wonderful Sabbath day we have in <laughs> perfect for the holiday season. We thought we would talk about um basically diet culture in the church because I don't know if you know this as ex-Mormons, but if you don't, let's just discover it together. Uh Mormons hate fat people. <laughs> and they hate food and they hate pleasure they, and uh, <laughs> Satisfying your natural needs. <laughs> and so also when I say the word fat, it is a new it is a neutral term. So I'm not saying fat as a negative or as a positive. Same with thinness, it is a negative or a positive. If you associate goodness with thinness and badness with fatness, you need to unpack that with a therapist. You might so. be but um let's unpack this so i don't even truly this topic is very far reaching and widespreading as it goes beyond mormonism but it's certainly a part of mormonism and it's kind of one of those things like where to even begin because i could write a dissertation on this so where do you want to begin we could be mormon (laughs) stories nine hours we could write a novel we could write a book with photos like collages um so i mean mean, there's everything there's horror stories there's myths about fatness the food shaming the i don't know where which way would you like to start I guess like well, we'll probably do this in two parts. Maybe yeah, three. probably. <laughs> depending on how much material well, we have. Depending on how it goes, how roasty toasty we get. Yeah. I guess we can, we can start, we can start like with the simple stuff and then we can build up to like the blatant, oh, you know. So like for people who, who are thinking or listening right now, I'm not a fatophobe. I don't hate fat people. I don't fear fat people. But ask yourself, like, do you have a deep seated fear of being fat if you aren't like do you worry about that do you worry constantly how your body looks and how you appear to others and what you're eating because that I learned that from society but it was reinforced by the church it's like that's the part we're really going to tackle like yes society has greater involvement it's not solely the church you know why fatophobia exists but the church as we mentioned in other episodes, the church thrives on keeping women small, keeping women invisible, keeping women, you know, put in a box and limited and diminished and controlled and manipulated. And a good way to do that to women and to men, because this harms men as well. There are men that are also harmed by this. But how to do that, one of the ways is control what they eat, control their diet control what they're fixated on, what they're thinking about, make them physically smaller to represent how you want them mentally smaller. Yes, 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 yes. Did I just cut you off? Sorry. 
No, I was kind of, I thought that was going too on. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, God, no. I, I'm a little long. rambler. I'm a little rambler. So I think we'll sprinkle in hilarious examples and stories throughout. So I think one of the big things is in um, in any kind of high control group or authoritarian control, uh, controlling how people sleep and controlling what people eat. And then as well as sex, like those are the three things you can really trap someone. And so I was just thinking, um, also, when we talk about fat phobia, I, I hate that I have to do this disclaimer, but I know how permanent permeating or permanent, whatever this issue is. When we talk about fatness, we're not talking about health, like in any capacity, but there's always that like, well, we're not promote. Literally how we promoted obesity, literally how. Literally how? Like, also don't even jump on me about that. Yeah, yeah, that's what like I said. It's a neutral term. Yeah, it's a descriptor. It's I, I can't it. handle it. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, we're not promoting obesity. God, why is there even their disclaimer? And we're not, literally, people's health is up to themselves. And I think part of why it's in Mormon culture is because Mormon culture doesn't allow people to just leave, live their lives and leave them alone. Just period. You don't let people do that. Like, it's one of those things, if you personally feel like people that are overweight or people that are big or people that are fat are unhealthy, how does that affect you, though? Like, what does, what would it matter? You know what else is unhealthy? Texting your ex. You know what else is unhealthy? <laughs> Smoking cigarettes. You know what else is unhealthy? Like, there's so many things that are technically unhealthy. Just let people live their lives. Yeah, there's no reason to be a, a jerk. There's no reason to bully. <laughs> leave, leave them be. It like really baffles me. So I'm getting that out there for any little little haters going hate. I'm not gonna listen to you. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting that out there. But and um, if, if we were just saying a little side note here, if we were promoting obesity, why would that be bad? Oh, because you're helping like they go down that route. Like, oh, you're helping people kill themselves. Weird. I'm like, you buy vapes, you buy like like we said, there's so many other things. So you're just you're choosing to like criminalize and demonize a group of people just solely based on their aesthetic appearance and their their body weight. Like yeah. that you know, like we said, we can un- we need to unpack like why do you have a bias <laughs> that favors skinny people? Because I know plenty of skinny people that are what I would say are unhealthy. They're not healthy. But also what's wrong with people who aren't healthy? Why are we why do we have this ableist mentality? Guess what? A lot of people have health issues. They're not any less. Like health doesn't equal worth. How healthy you are, what men, what medical conditions you have, none of that should diminish who you are and pit you against someone else. Like that also upsets me when they're always like, well, I just worry about their health. You know what? Like so many people have health conditions they can't control. And like you worrying about them, does that mean that you're like, you know, lobbying for better healthcare? Does that mean you're like <laughs> to medications or no, you're just going to crit- criticize critique and shame their lifestyle. Okay. That's you caring. Like, yeah, they're not advocating for like free food stamps know? for all more accessibility right. to quote healthy food. And I put in air bunny quotes because healthy food also depends on the person oh, because yeah. if you have irritable bowel syndrome, high fiber, sorry if you can hear sirens in the background, high fiber, high fruits, high vegetables, lettuce 
isn't good for you. Like it'll it'll <laughs> literally tear tear you up down there. Like it's just so funny <laughs> to me. But I see what you're saying. Dairy is not healthy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're not. And also like, yeah, the health thing, the labeling, everything is like healthy equals good, unhealthy equals bad. That's really harmful to people who literally have health conditions. Like they're like, thanks, you're saying I'm bad. I love unhealthy people. Like, give them a shout out. Like, whatever that means. Also, I mean, the the grim reality, and it's not a grim reality. It's grim for these people. It's not grim for you and I because we really don't care. The majority of people that are very much overweight, surprise, drum roll, ready, have your jaws just good. It's literally due to pre-existing and other conditions. Like, it's straight up, like, not I even. Are you going like, to say that, like, big overweight people, guess what? they know they already know (laughs) yes surprise it's not a mystery you don't have to tell them did you know that if you see a larger person you don't you know if you telling them that they're large guess what rum roll they already know they're large (laughs) it's surprise but you highlighting it you attacking their body (laughs) you're not doing the service you think you are obviously 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 i think this really is such a part of Mormonism is because personal goals, like interpersonal goals, personal goals for anything suddenly get pushed on to like everybody else. And like, right, that's not one even. Person's diet, one person's preference. They're like, <laughs> no. no, all of you partake. Here you go. Like, so many no bi- it. no it's does. like very akin to so many bishops you remember this because you were there and we had this experience <laughs> that were like i'm gonna read the book of mormon in a year i challenge all of you to read it in a year and it's no, like that's your yeah. personal goal my friend and so people that are like i have this personal goal to lose 50 pounds therefore all people <laughs> you all do. i'm only goal. doing this diet now so everyone we know every time i go to eat everything it's my life now it's your life <laughs> It like my kills me inside. So, <laughs> so let me just tickle everybody's little ear with some true Mormon fat phobia horror stories. And so I have my own, but I'm going to start with one that me and Mary Magdalene know because this happened to our mom and our mom is a badass. So journey with me. Okay. We're back in the eighties. Let's jump back. Woo! We're back in the eighties, early eighties. Our mom was called to serve a mission in Asia, in um, Taiwan at the time, and her mission president was not of Asian descent or heritage. He was a white American, I think from Utah. He might not have been from Utah. Doesn't matter. He had that mentality. And he... (laughs) Sorry, it's hard to get through this story. (laughs) He took it upon himself at like a giant missionary meeting. And Taiwan is a small country. They did not have a large mission or a high number of missionaries and sister missionaries always, I mean, maybe not now, I don't know, but they've always been outnumbered by the men. So he implored all the sisters, challenged them, told them as his, as his mission president authority story is hundred percent true. I'm not lying. He tells all of them, all his sisters to, to go on a diet. <laughs> He also gives them a dress code where he's like plain tops, patterns on the skirt, no patterns on the tops, only patterns on the skirt. 
And he created, this man is not a nutritionist. This man is not a health coach. This man is not a personal trainer. He's just a man with some ideas. And this is pre-Google, so pretty impressive. He created like a pseudo. I mean, yes. Yeah, so is this whole Mormon church is just a man with some ideas. Like that's all it is. I hate to break it to you. Um, so uh, he made this pseudo like Weight Watchers diet plan as well as a workout plan and had printed this off and gave it out to all the sister companionships to put them in their apartments. He had like four or six sisters in an apartment. And my my mom was like already woke. Like my mom's already been a badass. Like this is back in the 80s before body positivity was ever a thing. But my mom had already known what the opposite of body positivity was like. Like, we all know the opposite of body positivity. We deal with that. And so she and literally all of her companions, like all her little roomies, sister missionaries, just laughed it off and like never looked like, never followed the diet, never did the workout plan. They're like, this guy's a bozo and just laughed and moved on. The majority of women that my mother worked with on her mission, though, were not American. They were from Europe. They were from Asia. They were converts like her. And so they didn't have that, like, raised in the church pressure that I experienced where, like, a man in authority is, like, God's mouthpiece. Like, my mom was always, like, not quite there. But that story, like, baffles the mind. And for her at the time as a convert for not that long, she just thought like this guy was a one individual weirdo like this is an isolated incident and like surprise he's one of so many but that like oh i'm mission president guess the rule i'm gonna enforce diet so these fatty missionaries can visit these ways these sisters are much more attractive to me these little sister missionaries he's a little hefty my problem now i gotta (laughs) fix it it's so (laughs) (laughs) so i just like i don't if ever ever i listen to an ex-mormon which is my community love y'all i'm trying to be in community with ex-mormons we're trying to be vibing but i hear any one of you say that diet culture and fat phobia doesn't exist in the church i have an arsenal of stories to tell you that people men not deconstructed you have not (laughs) unpacked everything if you are blind to I will like this man literally used his Mormon position of power, his priesthood power, his position of authority <laughs> to body shame, attempt to food control and weight control. A bunch he of would weigh women. them. He'd make them weigh. He would ask like their sizes were. He would like order like, a little them. like they should only be in this size clothing. They need to ride their bikes more. They're getting big. Like, <laughs> so, she's just of like, all the things you're a to clown. worry about. Like, don't you have enough to do, bro? Aren't you busy enough? Busy enough and you have time. <laughs> he was looking around. He's like, these ladies aren't turning me on enough. What do I need to do to fix it? Oh, weight loss. Because my personal dick preference is small women. <laughs> so therefore, everyone likes small women. <laughs> Girl, or ma'am, not this episode, <laughs> but another episode. I got a topic I want to discuss, which is basically the juvenile behavior that 
hard in the paint LDS men have towards women. But it's it's based off of (laughs) it's based off of stories like that where like I'm not attracted to you, therefore I do not know how to communicate to you with dignity and respect. (laughs) You're not turning me on. I have a problem right now. <laughs> I will not treat you like a human being. <laughs> yeah, because me and maybe a few other guys don't find you hot. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna be a dick. I can't. We'll but go no, into that. And the other ones are like, you are attracted to me, so I'm gonna be an extra dick to you because I am attracted. To you. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> it's so it's okay because they what it is. I think with any type of anybody, men or women, who. <sighs> They feel like ashamed of their attraction. And so they take it out on the person they're attracted to. And I had, I talked about that with Laban in an episode that like for Laban, when there was a a woman who was attracted to him, they were like ashamed that they were. So then they just be mean to him. Like that was like the cycle. I'm like, word, like that's the Mormon cycle. Like so many guys that bullied me, everyone's like, they actually liked you. I was like, he was evil to me. He tormented me for years. Like, he was obsessed with you. I'm like, okay, well, the opposite way, bro. You did the opposite thing. So if you're obsessing with fat people and you say you hate them, let's unpack that. (laughs) Why are you looking at them? You hate? Because that's even more we need to go into that. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. This is your behavior. This is your mode of apparatus. You want to look at their bodies. You want to study their bodies inside out. You might be attracted. (laughs) You want to control what she does and you can't stop looking at her Instagram? You can't stop it. Yeah. You You leave hate comments? (laughs) but yeah so many women like also though like the church blatantly in its doctrine has diet restrictions has clothing restrictions has sexual restrictions has restrictions on women's positions of power so it's not a leap to be like, they also, I mean, fasting, that is not a healthy eating habit. That's not a healthy eating, like, like purposely fasting to like, whatever reasons you tell yourself, and you're just ignoring hundred hunger cues, and you're forcing yourself to refrain from food. Like, if you're outside of a religion, like a, a therapist or a dietitian would be like, you are supposed to be listening to your body's cues for hungers and thirst, and you're supposed to be fulfilling those needs. So the fact that you're like consciously restricting, that's a sign of something. But the church is like, let's praise people who go the longer they go without eating. They're more like Christ. They're more like Jesus. They're more like If you were to believe the logically, literally that Jesus fasted for 40 days, like I mean that seems unbelievable like you can't go that long without water but apparently he's the son of man whatever you believe all that but like I don't really get how what does that have to do with anything now <laughs> like, like why are Mormons are like because Jesus did for 40 days and 40 nights you can give up 24 hours it's like but I shouldn't have to like I shouldn't like like plenty of people starved before me in society in the world who are right now like isn't this kind of like slapping them in the face isn't this like 
such an F you to actual people who don't have access to food that me in my privileged mansion in my house with a pantry full of fridge. I'm like, I'm just not, I have the luxury of just not, I have self-control. I'm above everyone. <laughs> That's part of the, um, that was part of like the concept of how thin became beautiful is what you just said. So like for that, I'm a huge nerd. Obviously everyone knows that that listens to this, accept it, move on. Um, the, for hundreds of yeah, years being, being fat or being thick was beautiful, sexy, desirable. Even having a double chin was like, look at old, like 17th century paintings. Like that's what they wanted. Um, the Grecian goddess sculptures are of healthy women that have like, you know, they're more. Meaty. Reproduce. Yeah. It used to be like, these women could breastfeed babies, carry babies. They had a child. They're fertile. They're healthy. They're, they got soft, plump skin, flowing, vitamin-rich hair. Like oh, it was that, like for an anciently, like fertility goddesses would be. And anciently, like fertility goddesses would be deemed as obese by today's standards. The little statues and stuff, and the larger statues of fertility yeah, goddesses. They used to do women's sculptures with like the big hips, like big booties, big you know, kind of the saggy boobs down there. You're like, yeah, <laughs> big she little had tummies. A baby. Yeah. Like, she is hot. It was. It was hot. It was hot. But when thinness became crafted and engineered to be beautiful, because beauty is really in the eye of the beholder and beauty standards change depending on the society. Very subjective. Um, yeah. And also performative. And I'll get into that later. But um, thinness became considered beautiful when it was framed as like a higher level of self-control because a lot of beauty standards, at least in the West are determined based on money. Like here's a really good example for a long, long time, having pale skin was considered beautiful because it meant that you stayed inside. You nowadays, out in the sun. Yep. exactly. Nowadays being thin and being white, but having a tan is considered beautiful because it means that you have time to go on vacations and time to lay out in the sun and poor people work inside. So now among the white community, pale skin, you're called pasty, you're called pale, you're, you're fluorescent, you're translucent where previously that was beautiful. So it, it all changes. It's all, my point is with this long sociological explanation is that basically these beauty constructs are BS. <laughs> like, like they're not very real. You can like, never reach them. They're constantly changing. They're so like, they're so objective and they're so like variable based on such a small thing. And the church buys into a lot of like American beauty standards and like modern American or like Puritan American beauty standards. And like Mormons don't realize that there's a whole other world and each, each culture, each country, you know, each other religion have their own standards, expectations, you know, requirements for beauty and sexuality and attractiveness. And like, it's just so it's so unique and different and diverse. And so with the church, the problem we have with the church is when they try to like narrowly fit all these women and all these men into like one type and one very small type and one rigid box and that's suffocating and it's not healthy and it's not sustainable and it's damaging to all the people who are outside of that box. And it harms them mentally, emotionally, 
physically, like when they try to be something they're not, when they're constantly trying, they're going against their own biology, their own, their own genetics, their own lifestyle, their own, you know, all of that to be something that's so arbitrary, like, and it's harmful. So that's why we're, we're speaking about it. We want to free the ladies. We want to free the men. We want to free your minds. We want to free your bodies. We want to free your diets. Like we want, <laughs> we want you all to be free. Escape the prison, the man-made prison. <laughs> I agree. We are all about All of this. Rip it all to shreds. Misogyny. Rip it to shreds. Sex shaming. Rip it to shreds. Body shaming. Body shaming. All Let of it. it burn. I know. Okay. So you're hearing two perspectives, right? Like, so for me... Yes, I, I'm not trying to be off-putting to our, our larger-bodied listeners because I'm not in a larger body, but I'm bringing the perspective of someone who, even though I wasn't in a larger body, I still got messages. I still got bullied. I still tried hard to be even smaller than I am, to be even different than I am. I still bought in. You know, I never, I never um, felt any ill will towards other large people. And I was always like body positive for other people, but I struggled to do that for myself. Like I was very much a perfectionist and I was like, Oh, that works for them. They can be big and large and beautiful, but like, I can't, I can't, I wouldn't allow myself. So I wasn't someone who I would consider like fatophobic, but I definitely bought into the narratives that went along with fatophobia, which was, well, you should still be smaller you're more attractive when you're smaller and so I'm offering you know so I'm sorry if it comes off like I'm trying to like oh I'm so privileged talking that I never I didn't experience what larger people experienced and I apologize for that I can't so I'm not trying to represent I'm not trying to be the voice of the larger ladies I'm just trying to be the voice of maybe the normal the what's considered you know normal average whatever that's arbitrary too but like to slim, to fit, to smaller ladies' perspectives who still, even being those natural bodies, suffered or bought into it or were told it wasn't good enough and all of that. So, like, it affects everyone. Like, it affects from the whole scale, from the smallest to the largest, and it's a problem, and we're all on the same team, we're on the same page, we're all fighting girls, like, and men, like, let's get out. And then somehow I'll let you share your... Okay. <laughs> I'm heavily mother you. <laughs> Oh no! It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's subtle. It's subtle. It's subtle. It's fine. Your name is a star. <laughs> okay. Wait, my name. I'm as heavily. It's funny to rebuke you, but I I agree. And also, <laughs> so much of my experiences with fatophobia and with diet culture, and I'll I'll bring it up, and it is what it is, and we'll continue to do so, are unfortunately centered around the the hideous comments made by men so like before i went on my mission i was and at the beginning of my mission i was was at the time my like ideal body weight like i had lost weight and i reached this point that i'd wanted to be at and there was a gentleman a, a, a missionary who's not a bad guy who had like lost weight as well and he was talking to me about workout routines and it felt a little weird and it felt a little preachy and talking about dieting and stuff. And I hadn't disclosed to him that I used to be bigger and I was smaller, but I guess he like sensed it. I don't know. And um, I said to him, cause the look on my face was like, dude, this is weird and I don't care. Don't and care. then I said, um, 
I'm at a really good place with my body right now. And the, without skipping a beat, he says to me, well, there's always room for improvement. Mm, and I thought it, about it, it and I was like, there's not, though. Like, I think there's I look really pretty perfect. So like, I'm actually, I can, like, actually, you can be okay where you are. You literally can be okay. <laughs> you don't need to do more. There's not room. There's no more room. The room. We're done here. I'm done. We're out of the I'm, room. <laughs> <laughs> the, the room, I closed the door behind me. But that it. is the... <laughs> That's the mentality. So there's a couple of different themes, I think, within diet yeah, culture that are. That fits the whole church with everything. So, of course, yes, yes, it yes, trickles yes. into diet, exercise, weight, body. Another thing that you had said that I think is relevant to the church, too, is it's okay for them, but it's not okay for me. And Mormons feel that way about sins, too. You know, mm -hmm. they can live that life. They can be less active. They can leave the church. But I know I for me, coffee, I never could. I know better, so I can't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or I can't because for me, the punishment that God would give me would be too great. It's like a fear thing. Like, yeah, even if they want to, like, I, I want taught, to drink coffee. You were taught and they were, they always say that they weren't taught the ways that you were. <laughs> yeah. Just the way that just even women that I knew regarding sins, air bunny quotes, I think sins aren't real, but you know what I mean? Um they really would not be judgmental of me who was like, you know, kind of breaking the rules, but they would say that like their own guilt, their own mind would prevent them. Like they would feel so guilty and so remorseful and like just fears about God punishing you. And I think that that translates into being fat. Like if I got fat, I'd get all these health issues. I was like, well, probably not, but I mean, okay, whatever. Or if you I got fat, really, I would get really, <laughs> like, get super concerning. Like, it would seem like, oh, if you're just barely 30 pounds a week, you get all these health It's like, actually, <laughs> that's true. Like, the, it's really not like, thinking like, you just 50 pounds or you're going to have this and this. Like, actually, it takes, for those health issues to happen, yes, like, I'm not denying that sometimes people who are extremely large have health issues. But like, to make it seem like you're just, Tipping scale, 10 more pounds, and now your life is like, it's just not real. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So, sorry, I have to type in a message because um, I don't want, what well, I'm just going to blend the two. Cause we'll blend anyways, together. Okay. Yeah, blend it together. I, know, I just noticed that there's like, it's two. got a good flow. It's got a good flow. But also, strong. like you said, the people who have those health issues, or who are bigger, they're not any less of a person. They're not bad. They're not, they're, they're not a problem. Like who's okay. They're a problem in society because they're existing health care system. Like, like anybody else that, that employs people that is actually a business that like offers, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get, they're like, like when they're talking, like how are, how are like larger or unhealthy people? Like, how are they, like that goes back to the serious like white supremacy Nazi like what's it called like, eugenics yeah yeah eugenics where they're like no sick among us no bad among us I'm like why what's wrong genetically they're polluting the pools like you're not you're not all having sex with them like other people are like what? 
But they wish they was. They wish they yeah, were. Like they want them all. <laughs> I can't. I can't ignore the the, the thin line. <laughs> the thin line between love and hate. You know. <laughs> there is. In order to hate something, don't you have to love it? A little bit obsession. Be obsession. Some type of way. Like, shouldn't if you truly aren't attractive, don't care. You'd be apathetic. You literally just be like. I don't even notice them. They're living their life. I don't care if they do. I feel no emotional <laughs> anything. Like the fact that they get like so lit and so passionate and so like throw down with that people. It's like But why? You're not why can't you be neutral? Did you know neutral's an option? Did you know But when you're Mormon no sort of way? <laughs> there isn't a neutral. It's black or white thinking. Yeah, it's this so or that. Right, real. No gray area, nothing in the scale between that. No nuance. Yeah, it's this or that. And there's no third option. Sorry, we got cut off, but we're back on a roll. Like you said, there is no neutral. It's a black or white thinking. And it also is like, but at least when we grew up, it was like thin or fat. Like, you know, yeah, like, no. So if you were like a mid sized person, you, you just. Yeah, if you were fatty. mid sized or average, they're like, well, you could. You could go a little this way, you could go a little that way, but you need to be working on it. <laughs> and I mean, I hate to be this. Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna share a little story. Okay, it's gonna be a little, not a little, it's a little story, it's a little rant, a little miniature rant. And this is just for me personally. So this is for me personally. I can't speak to other people in this experience. Some people, and I have friends like this, and I love them. I have acquaintances, and I have strangers. I have people I don't like that also like this. It's a spectrum, who are super into fitness, dieting, and working out. And they love it. And that is their jam. And that is their thing. For me, I don't. But let me <laughs> let me explain a little something. The Mormon church does this really good job of, and it's something that I've had to unlearn since I've left. I'm still unlearning it, is the church really tells you to think that okay things are great and to think that not good things are okay. And you're not really allowed to like speak truth on something that Have other people, opinion. yeah, yes, tell you is amazing. Differently, <laughs> and so for me, like God, and still to this day, people in and out of the church will challenge my lived experience. But I'm used to that as an indigenous woman. Like, of course, you think I'm lying. Whatever. So here's like a really good point. So on my mission, I would run every single morning, and I got to a point where I could run a mile very comfortably, like it, like it was nothing. And at that time, I also gained weight. Like, I was one of the, the largest or heaviest I had ever been, muscle-wise and thickness-wise. Like, I just look like a, like, a, like a stocky little thick woman. <laughs> and when I would tell people that, in and out of the church, they'd be like, well, you must have been eating a lot then. Or you must have been not calorie-controlling. Like, they couldn't make it make sense that someone could be like running a lot and be be chubby i don't know and then another narrative that like people just can't fucking believe me on so when i came back from my mission i got super depressed and i decided to channel what i couldn't control what i was depressed about into dieting and exercising because it's a mental i had to cope right right that's a maladaptive coping behavior that we're all taught at like 10 years old exactly and so I, at this time, I had no, I had no car. So I was walking everywhere, uphill a ton. I also signed up to take a one credit modern dance class because I actually love dancing. And um, 
that class was, you know, over an hour of dancing in the morning. And then I would go to the gym on all the nights that I didn't go to dance. So I'm walking everywhere. I'm in total, I'm working out whether it's cardio or other, et cetera, over like an hour every day. And I was also dieting. So I was eating a calorie restricted, carb restricted, et cetera, diet. And something that people, like I said, inside and outside of the church cannot seem to <laughs> grasp when I explain to them, yeah, I got the smallest I'd ever been. I've got smaller than my pre-mission body and I was more fit than my pre-mission body. They literally, what I'm about to say, I know there are people who are going to listen to this like she's lying. I did not feel any better. I did not have more energy. I, wow, I feel great. I feel, nope, I did not. I felt the same. I felt the same, if not worse. And then and then people won't let that happen. They're like, well, you must have been not eating enough calories, or you must have been not doing this, or you must have no. No. Being being that way for every person does not make them feel better. Some people it does. But some of us it doesn't. And I wasn't happier either. While you're talking. So what you're trying what you're basically saying is okay, people get ready for this. <laughs> She was the same person. <laughs> regardless of her weight, regardless of her workout routine, regardless of her diet, she was the same human being. <laughs> she didn't transform. She didn't get a new personality. Her life circumstance was similar enough. <laughs> I was still single. <laughs> it wasn't the drastic life change. And so, like, like when you're telling me, so I'm like, literally just thinking, like, yeah, because you're still the same person. And they give you this false narrative that, like, it's going to transform your life. There's a little bit way to change your life now, like, slightly. And you're going to be a whole new person. You're going to be brand new. <laughs> no, you're still the same shit, the same problems, the same person, the same, like, <laughs> just. Happened like, to be smaller. Like other newsflash, the weight wasn't the problem. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or the cure or the <laughs> It was none of those. It was none of those things. And like also when it comes to ableism and the health piece, um, some HIPAA information, I am type one diabetic. And so I think to a point, like dieting and exercising to a point does help us diabetic people. But you know what? I still was diabetic. And I still had... <laughs> it's an autoimmune disease. It's an autoimmune disease. Juvenile diabetes you got at five years old. And I wasn't... And it, oh God. and it was more than 10 pounds. Like, I I went from, like, a size... I know, I know. I'm not size to eight, but, like, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. that I was... I wasn't... Like they, they tell you, like, start with that. Just don't go alone just one thing that's what they started as and it's like now I'm 10 more now I'm 10 more now I'm 10 more but like that's the, the lies like just a little bit your life will change and like for me and you know what girl yes literally all the preachings amen a little yes another thing that I think is so ableist about diet culture is most people with chronic diseases myself included we have chronic fatigue like it's a symptom like it's part of it and like people just can't wrap their heads around like some people don't work out every day because they are 
they have fatigue, like chronic fatigue. Like, yeah. Working out okay. gives you energy. They're no, fucking it tired. In case no, you it doesn't. Understand. Yeah, like, so like you're just tired. Like you don't want to so do that. Tired. And also, like the thing about chronic fatigue that people don't understand, and they literally have charts about it. It's like it's called the spoon theory. But basically, little bangs. Basically, uh, other people, normal people, people with able bodies, they do different things during the day that can give them energy. But if you have a chronic disease or chronic fatigue, everything, I truly mean this, every single thing that you do takes energy away from you, even if you like doing it. Yes. And so for working out, if you do have pre-existing health issues, working out actually is taking away from energy. Like you have to decide, like you have to trade. Yeah. yeah. Your body, some people like they have arthritis, like <laughs> exercise hurts them. Like people have back pain. Guess what? Lifting weights can bother you. <laughs> like, you have, you have knee joint pain. You have muscle problems. You have, there's so many different di- diseases that affect nerves and muscles and bones and, you know, and, and metabolism and, you know, like digestive issues. And so, yeah, it's the solution of just get out there, pull yourself up and go put in a hard workout. Like that's, that's not universal. <laughs> no, no. And there's like, there's certain things that in my line of work that me and my associates say that are non-triggering and non-diet culture So one of the things that I, instead of telling people like, are you eating healthier? I say, are you eating diverse foods? Yeah, hey. like a variety. Variety like a variety. life. And instead of saying like, go work out because that can be really triggering or like get some exercise. I say things like do something that you enjoy where you're like moving around, like do yeah, some holistic joyful movement. Yeah. yeah joyful Instead of saying movement. exercise, working out, say like joyful movement. Do these movements bring you joy? Do the, the happy activities, like do these activities bring you comfort, joy, happiness, boost your mood, food, boosting activities. You don't have to be like, are you putting in a workout? Oh my god! Out? Yeah, just it's a circulation you thing. That's healthy, my concern. Which is like my narrow view of health foods, you know. Like, no, yeah. but you're not are you a diverse diet. Are you trying new foods? Are you expanding your palate? Are you? Is your? Is your? Are your plates colorful? Like you can say other things that aren't like good, bad, healthy. <laughs> you <laughs> it's unrighteous. So it's so negative, and like. You can argue like some things are bad for people. Well, yeah, some people are bad for certain people. Some foods are quote bad or unhealthy for certain people, but not for everyone. Like you can't just like labeling it all as just this or nothing. That's our problem. Like we can't, it's not black or white. Like it's for you. You can think those foods are bad for you, but don't, don't push that like umbrella everyone else. And then say it's for everyone when it's just, it's not a universal experience. It's just for you to speak for yourself. Fine. You have a preference. Those are your preferences. Keep them to yourself. <laughs> like, that's all we're asking. <laughs> but that's how everything, <laughs> everything in yeah. the church is not you do you. It's we do. <laughs> no, it's like, no, yeah, don't do you. Whatever that is, don't, don't do that thing. It's you being different. No, stop. <laughs> it cracks. It cracks me up. It's and I think true. another. There's a couple different fuels, I think, and motivations for LDS women regarding weight and dieting. And I think for men, too, is that we – I was told this lie, right, at BYU, Idaho, that 
if I was thinner, if I was smaller, I get more attention from men, which wasn't true for me anyway. And then I was also, you're told a lie. It's going to make you happier. It's going to make you have more energy. It's going to make you more confident. None of that was true for me. None of that was true for me. None. Absolutely none. I wasn't more confident. I was the same. I've always been pretty confident, actually, weirdly, despite whatever's going on. <laughs> Even though you've been trying to ruin it for I, you. But yeah, your default you like, was like, I'm good. And everyone's like, not allowed. No, you're not. <laughs> I know your default was not allowed. And I didn't, I still felt critical. And that was because some of the men that I had in my life, whether they were friends or whatever, some more, I didn't have a boyfriend or anything, but just, you know, homies. Um, it was so never good enough. Like they were so critical of their own bodies and they're working out and they're, I'm going to maintain my six pack and like, weird, the limit doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. The limit doesn't exist that it would like rub off on me. Like I'd hear them say that and I hear them talk like that. And I'm like, oof, like I'm nowhere near a six pack. And you're you internalize about all your... the messages, at least like I did. And my personality So like, even if it wasn't directed at me because I wasn't, the larger girl or whatever, I would hear what they're saying to the larger girls. I would hear how they look at and treat and talk to the larger girls. And so I'm like internalizing and clipping it on myself and like, you know, inserting myself in it and being like, oh no. And like, so yeah, even if they're like, I never directly called you fat. I never, it's like, but you said it, like the message was clear. Like it was, I mean, I was, but no, like it, like either way, like it's, so people are like, uh, like you can't escape it is what I'm trying to say like there's no way out there was no way to be there was no right size there's no body type to where you were free from it you were it harmed everyone it affected everyone and like that's really such a problem and I mean okay so there are people who would have done what you did you know worked out lost the weight did the whole thing and they would have had like minor improvements in their life and they would have given those minor improvements they would have given the exercise and the dieting credit. They would have tied all those little positive things and they would have been like, oh, it's 100% because of my diet and exercise. And that's why. And they would associate like those rewards as being connected when maybe really they wouldn't. Like maybe those things would have happened anyway, but you can't know because they happen to happen after you did all these hoops and whatever. So those people, it reinforces that narrative and that belief and that mindset of like, Oh yeah, see, it does work. Oh yeah, I got this stuff because oh yeah, I did feel better about myself. And there are people that it does boost their confidence, it does boost their mood to work out and exercise. And it does, and I'm one of those people that physical fitness does help my mental health, but like not to, to overshare, but I got to a point where I was like obsessive, you know, where I was like like OCD, like I couldn't, it had to be a certain amount of time. I couldn't go to bed unless I did like it had to be, you know, I had a calorie count. I had to do certain workouts. It was so like number based on my workouts. And I was so like inflexible, no flexibility whatsoever. It was like, it had to be at least an hour, if not more. And I would go over that and still feel bad. And like, I would get so fixated. So I would say that exercise can be unhealthy. Like, I know I'm going rogue here. Fitness working out can be actually unhealthy, not just for people who don't have able bodies, but for people who do have able bodies like me, it did and can become unhealthy, harmful, negatively affect my body. I mean, when I was working out so much like that, it was 
it was affecting my mental health. It was affecting my daily life. It was affecting my schedule, affecting my body image. And I, I channeled so many other unresolved things and I like self-medicated with the escape of the exercise. Like, oh, this, and I was like relying on this to boost my mood and this to fixate on and this to like hide my other problems and this. And so, so yeah, so just like you said, willy-nilly giving advice, like, oh, go exercise. Oh, go work out. If people tell someone like me who spent years over-exercising to do that, like that's harmful because you're like, oh, great. You're so you're telling me like, oh, I need to get back into that. That was good. That was healthy. Like that was, you know, like, and so there's a fine line. So that's why it's like, like now I'm in a much better space where I can be like, okay, I can pause. I can ask myself, like, do I actually really want to work out or am I feeling like I have to work out or I should work out or I need to work out? Or is it an actual like desire? I want. And if it's like, oh, I actually want to, and I want to do it this way. And I'm, because I, because I enjoy it or it makes me feel good. That's different. But before, if you asked me, I'd be like, cause I have to, cause I, cause I need to, cause if I don't X, Y, Z is going to happen. If I don't, then I'm a fearful. I lived in fear. Just like when I was in the church, I lived in fear of the consequences of if I don't do this. So I was so afraid of not doing it because this and this and this could happen. And, what this? and then so slowly it's like exposure therapy. <laughs> like you slowly challenge it. Like you slowly question it. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not today or I'm not going to go that long. I'm like, let's see what happens. Or, you know, what? I am going to eat that food at this time. And like, let's see what happens. Or I am going to eat that food. That I said, I like, let's see what happens. And lo and behold, when I relaxed gradually and gradually and got to a point where I am now, none of these horrible things happened. <laughs> like, like reality check, like you are okay without that. And so, oh, like, it's such a, so I feel I, I'm not trying to like overshare, but like it's it it saves you a lot of grief if you learn that soon, like you did, where you're like, my life's kind of the same. But like people like me who fall in the trap of like, oh, certain things did get better for me when I lost some weight and when I was more fit and when I was like the exercise person and I was like that was part of my identity was like, I'm the cross country runner. I'm so fit. Like I did get a lot of attention or I got a lot of praise or I got a lot of compliments it, it negatively fed that. So it took me a lot longer to realize and to learn like, oh, I'm still the same, give or take 10 and 50 pounds, 15 pounds. Like I'm still the same, like energy level mood wise. If I, whether I work out rigidly, I'm actually more tired versus like just occasional when I want to, or like, like moderation is balanced. is like much better than, but yeah. So I feel bad for the people who fall in the trap where they buy into that and then they have these positive things and then it kind of traps you in even longer because you're like, now I got to do more because even more things are going to happen and even better, better, better. Like if you have a perfectionist mentality, like I struggle with and like a self-harming mentality, like you get enjoyment off of like literally hurting yourself. And you're like, why am I like this? Like the, you buy right into diet culture. Usually you buy right into the exercise fitness culture. You buy right into the ableist ideas and so like I you know a real big turning point for me was I don't want my daughters my girls to fall in that same trap because it's a trap it's not real that same loop that same cycle the same like because it's never ending when you're in it you're so deep in it like there was no stopping point like I was 
I got, I didn't even have the weight anymore. It wasn't about it. I was already trapped. Like I got to the weight that I wanted and I was still doing it. It was like, cause it wasn't about that. You know, like it was about all these, these rules. And it was the true issue was anxiety and control and, and low self-esteem and body dysmorphia, like all these other things. And like, they package it like, well, you just, you're not healthy. You need to be healthy. It's like, it's that's so dismissive. And that's so, it's such an escape from dealing with the real problems. And I don't want my daughters to ever even start that. Like, don't even go down that road. Like you don't need to, you're wasting your time. Like I want them to know that they have value no matter what their value doesn't decrease. It doesn't change based on their appearance or their weight or their workout lifestyle. Like none of that matters. It shouldn't matter. Like I want them to do things because they want to. If they love a sport, I want them to do it because they love it. You know, if they like working out because they like it and they don't go overboard, then that's fine. You know, if they don't like certain foods, they don't have to like them. Like I just the forcing, you know, and telling women that like you have to or the mindset of you'll be better, you'll be more attractive, you'll be more appealing, you'll your life will be better. All these like that's not true. That's that's a lie that they feed you to keep you in that system. <laughs> no, don't apologize. And you didn't overshare. And absolutely, amen. And I think, especially for girls, this is something that I say often. And it's for some people, it's pretty mind blowing. Beauty is a full sensory experience, it's not just with your eyes. So at this point in my life, being nice and thick, I feel beautiful, confident, sexy, amazing. When I smell good, I have makeup on, and I have a cute outfit on. And also, I want to get my nails done, get my hair done. I'm a hyper feminine. I'm a girly girl, girly girl, girly girl, all the way. I'm Barbie. You're putting moisturizer Um, on. You're like, ah. Yes. You see me do it. You see me. Like, that's how beauty is this full sensory experience. Unfortunately, in English, we only use beautiful for our our fucking eyes. Instead of being like, this smells beautiful. Like, oh, it smells good. Well, if you say something looks good, you're saying that it looks mm -hmm. beautiful. We just don't use the same words. And even textures, even the lotion, the way it feels. But we stick to this super visual whatever. And I kind of, speaking to this as well, um, but I do agree with you. And I don't want to, it's going to sound like minimizing to the power and the depth of what you said, but I think it's important because I, I do blame men in the church for it. So much of it, at least from a young women's perspective, does come from you're going to be less desirable to men if you are big and if you are not thin. And they forget the full sensory experience. Like that's not even mentioned. Like a they man could literally love the way you smell. prefer bigger women. They're just like speaking for all men, but none of them do. It's like, okay. And what mm-hmm. I have witnessed, and overall I got stories. We talked about this on the phone earlier. <laughs> there were men at BYU Idaho who I know for a fact, because I am not dumb, <laughs> um, were interested in some of my friends who were large women, big women, beautiful women, but I could tell that they were like embarrassed. Yeah, afraid of the stigma. That they didn't pursue. Like I had one friend in particular who like, she literally has one of the best personalities in the world and she's stunning and she happens to be and has always been like a really big girl, like 
she's a big woman. And there was a man, a friend of hers, and I'd hung out with them a few times. I could tell by the way that he looked at her. I could tell by the way he wanted her attention. I could, he was attracted to her, everything, her laugh, her body, her walk, her everything. And he never pursued her. And I'm like, oh, is it because you're afraid of what the homies will think? Like what your bros may think? Your like family would say or, yeah. And she was also a woman of colors. So I don't know if that played into it as well. I mean, this was a white gentleman. But it kind of made me sad because... He wasn't ready to deal with all of that that would have come with that. He wasn't mature no. enough. He wasn't emotionally ready. He wasn't secure enough in himself to be like, let's challenge it. Let's go. Like, I'm, I'm into you know, this. Let's fight him. <laughs> yeah. And at the beginning when I said that I think a lot of the beauty standard is performative... Like I've said to you earlier, we have a lot of men who very publicly, even to their girlfriends, even to their wives, even even you know sometimes online, will be really rude, condescending, bullying, or mocking to fat women, to hairy women, to trans women, to etc. Yeah, like and then, they're funny or they're popular or they're like me. <laughs> and then yeah. a privately, anonymously, when no one's around, have sexual fantasies about the above list that I just said. Yes. Yeah. They actually would, they're afraid these chicks would reject them, but they totally want to do it. They're, they're into them. And it goes back to that, that obsession part. So I think so much of like beauty standards are like a lie. And like, it goes into like fatness. Like I was a very much an adult. I was not young when I realized that the majority of men, or at least the men that I dated, or at least the men that I were around, really don't care your weight like there's like extremes like if you reach a certain point of extreme but if you're anywhere in the middle they like don't don't care yeah like most guys (laughs) deep down unless you're like and i'm not even trying to hate on the extremes but most men have a preference for like anything in the the gray area anything in that nuance range anything not the polar extremes not the both you know what we're talking about like the extremely emaciated and the extremely like morbidly like most men are in the middle of those two things which that's a lot of room like that's not one type of body that's a lot of bodies most men actually would be happy with a variety of breast size a variety of booty size a variety of tummy sizes a variety of skin colors like a variety of hair like most men are really not that picky that obsessed they just love if you're a man who loves women you just love women you just love women's bodies you love vaginas you love boobs you love the whole thing like <laughs> you know and so but you're taught especially i was taught like men don't like all of that they like one type mm-hmm. they like one thing and you got those messages too like this is the this type and we know the type the mormon type you guys know and i'm not hating on the girls that are that like they can't help it they're freaking born that way like and they're cute in their own way like bless them but no like there's tons of people that that aren't and it's a global trip so like you think they would get that but yeah and like now that i'm out of the mormon bubble and i'm actually interacting in like sexual spaces and like you know online spaces and i'm like way exploring like wow there are there's something for everybody and there are men that find so many things attractive my mind is blown because i was fed a narrative that like based on your leader it's very like roulette but based on basically what white old straight puritan you know religious males like what their preferences is basically was like regurgitated on everyone and like reality like men like variety like they like it's spice like you're not you don't need to 
be something you're not to get a man. Like you can find someone if your goal is to get a man. You don't need to. You don't have to. You don't have to have that goal. But like if that's what you're worried about, I have news for you. Don't worry. They exist. Men outside of the narrow, rigid beauty standard. There are men that exist outside of that, and you can exist outside of that. <laughs> no same and for women too and for women too like the majority of us do not care if you are a chubbers like we don't yeah, care i love the dad bod i will go on the record <laughs> saying that i can play in the dad bod in the gym bod i love the dad bod because it tells me your priorities it tells me you would eat with me it tells me that you can be the father of my kids you're not ditching me for the gym like it tells me you're, you're secure with yourself like no i love the dad bod so yeah, this affects men too. I can't, we can't speak for men because we aren't men, but so yeah, like, hey, we can have some guy on sometime and he can give us his two cents and we'll listen. But for yeah. now, you just got us. You just got us ladies. So no, it's so me. true. There's just a lot of things that I think, especially women are told to care about and some men too, that just aren't in actual reality what matters. But part of, this is really, this is a very grim thing to say, but I know that. So much of the church really is like, don't actually be happy. Don't actually enjoy life. Don't actually love yourself. There's always something to fix. There's always something to improve upon. You're never built up to be built up. You're built up to get brought down. You're brought yeah. down to get built up. Things never just are. And general conference is an example of that. Like you will have a scary ass talk in there. There's always at least one and you never have a talk that yes. And you never have a talk that truly is uplifting because they'll always do the caveat, which is a huge game changer and psychologically damaging. If you keep the commandments, if you're loyal to your covenants, if you, you, when you do X, Y, Z, 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 not without doing blah, 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 blah. Is that new? You're sorry to build you up to knock you back down and keep you in the same place. You're like taking two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back. And like until you can literally free yourself mentally, physically, get out of the church. No, um, until you can do that, like you're not really in the church. They it's it's the delusion of you're making steps. You're really just in the same place for years and you're perpetually in the same steps. But yeah, that's why um, uh, it makes me sad for people in especially women who like you and I know ladies who are in their 50s and in their 60s who won't be who have never really been naked in front of their partner who won't wear swimsuits who won't go to the beach who won't swim in the pool with their grandkids who won't you know take pictures that are like you know sexy who won't they will never they they will never not diet they will always get the salad you know like this the rigidity like that's where healthy things become unhealthy is when you're just so rigid. You're so like that. You, you never allow for nuance. You never allow for an exception. You never allow for like, that's where it becomes toxic and unhealthy. And like, I know we're throwing out those words, but like, I, I grieve for those women because like, they deserve to be in the pool. They deserve to be in the beach. They deserve to wear lingerie and wear bikinis and feel sexy and feel desired. They deserve to be seen. They deserve to be, to, to show themselves that, you know, and they deserve to be whatever weight they want, whatever weight it is that allows them to eat with food freedom. That's the weight they should be. It's not a number. It's not a size, whatever body type and weight that allows them to eat freely without guilt, without shame, without rules. That's the size you're supposed to be. 
you know, and that doesn't mean any of those extremes, because if you aren't those extremes, you won't be those extremes. Like you'll be in this great little nuanced area that, but we don't allow, like, it's so frustrating to me. And so these women, like, will go on cruises, will go on vacations and they won't get in the water. They won't put on the swimsuit because they've had years and years and years of conditioning that they're not good enough. They're not attractive. They're not. And like, that is what I would love to avoid. I would love like any of the ladies and men listening, like put on the bikini, put on the swimsuit. Like if you get hate, those people themselves have problems, not you. There's no reflection on you. They are not ready yet to deal, but like you live your life. Like if you think you look good, then you look good. That's your answer. Like you don't need someone else. You don't need anyone else. Like if you think you do, then you are. Like you do. Like that's it. You know. Like sorry, I get on my little tangent about. No, go hard. You know, you and I have listened to so many women be like, "Oh, I can't wear that. I can't wear that." And so I want to ask him, like, is it because it doesn't make you feel good? Is it because you don't feel comfortable and you don't like the texture, or is it because you feel like you look bad? You know, because if the answer is you're only not wearing that because you think you'll look bad, like, girl, no, you know, but if you don't want to wear it because you just like loose things, you like comfy things, you don't like that color, you don't like the texture. I respect that. But like, we, we know women who refuse to wear things either because the church told them not to, or because they're, they're insecure about their bodies. Like, those are the times I have a problem with it. Like, I'm not telling you, if you don't want to wear a bikini, you don't have to, but think about why you're not. Is it because of the church? Is it because you're insecure? Is it because you just don't like them? Like you're allowed those options, you know, you're allowed not to like something. So I'm not shaming women who modesty is their jam and they like it, but we need to be sure that it's authentic and sincere and they're not just in fear. And so they're saying that. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> no, yeah. So the beauty standard is performance and a lot of self-deprivating comments which mormons do regarding their weight or, or choices um is the kind of mentality of i'm saying it before you say it to me i'm beating you to the punchline and there is this interesting quote it's a french quote i don't speak french but it is what we want to be most we already are and i i've talked through that with with people um with my job as well, because diet culture is a series of cognitive distortions or incorrect thoughts, they're irrational thoughts. And you don't have to have a visible eating disorder. Diet culture kills people. People die. People have heart attacks. People's teeth rot out because they're not eating and not, like it's it literally it literally kills people, and then we say, "Well, diet, obesity kills people." Bitch, where it's a comorbidity. There's something else going on. I know for a fact that diet culture can kill people, or at least make your life miserable. So, what's the point of living? Word, and it's like I can't handle like obviously maybe extreme extreme obesity kills people, but I'm not even jumping all the way there i'm sticking like you said we're in the middle range here i'm not the middle range we're not talking about extremes because we can argue about extremes and that's a different that's a different topic for another day having a what i mean by a visible eating disorder is that it's something that people can see the physical signs of but the majority of the time you cannot people clue you into their inner world by their self self self-deprivating 
convents, a woman at Relief Society, they had cupcakes. And this woman who was literally in her 60s got a cupcake and said, I probably shouldn't be eating this and laughed. And I said, girl, do what you want. And I grabbed two because that's who I am as a person. This is a couple of years ago. I still went to church. But it was, it was yeah, solid. Queen. I didn't eat the second one actually at that event because I, I did feel uncomfortable just with eating in general at that point. I feel very uncomfortable eating in front of Mormons. I feel uncomfortable eating in front of white people in general. And it's something that has, as we, we have felt because of the, the comments. And so it is what it is. And for the most part, I really don't care what people think. But we've all, I think as ex-Mormons, especially women, we've had so many bad experiences with eating in front of people that we just don't like to do I it. Like, it. unless I you're my friend don't. or my family, ugh. Ugh. I'm the I don't want to eat around I hate, you. I hate eating around so many people. And they'd be like, you need to work on it. No, I don't. Like, you guys need to work on stop food shaming. Like, like yes. there's a reason I don't want to eat around you. Word. Not just me. Like, you like you and I, so many people are like, you sure you need to eat that? You sure you need to eat that now? Is that enough? I don't think you have enough there. Like people who make comments like that. And if you're listening and you're one of those people, please stop. Like you don't need to draw. If you're going to draw attention to somebody's food or their plate, say things like, dude, that's an amazing plate. That looks bomb. I'm so excited to eat this. Like, or, oh, excellent food choice. You're a winner. Like say something positive or just don't say anything. Like don't even like, you don't have to say anything, but if you do like, Say something fucking nice and sincere. Like you don't, you don't need to shit on people's plates and they're eating out of their diets. And when they're eating, like nobody fucking cares. No one wants to hear it. Like I'm not here for you. Look at your own food. Like you know, you have to say something and it kills you. I'll take you one further. I don't even want to hear somebody say something negative about their body or their food when we are eating, because you're projecting. And, and what, what, do you, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to internalize. Exactly. And I won't because I'm at this point in my life, but I'm going to be annoyed by it. It's, it's annoying. Yeah. yeah. I might not like it might in the back in the day, it probably would have stopped me from eating. It probably would have like made me feel like shit. Now I'm like, I'm still going to eat it. But I made note, I made a note about who you are. I made, I a, made note a note that you're, think, you're making like, my food experience. Carefully I'm person. not around you. Yeah. I'm in a much better space now, but like you and I are both like, if we're happy and we're comfortable, we'll eat. If I feel like it's chaotic and I'm anxious or there's a bunch of shit to do or there's a bunch of eyes on me or everyone's making comments like that or there's food scarcity, all of those things going on, I won't eat. I will wait. I will wait till I'm in peace. I will wait till I'm like at home by myself. I'll wait till with my husband. Like, I will wait. I will like take it to go in the car. Like, I'll find another way because I literally gives me so much anxiety and it's so unpleasant and like ruins the meal. Like, it ruins it for me if I'm like, literally, like, I'm wanting it. You guys are ruining it. Like, so yeah, I'd rather eat happy and peace. And I know people are like, that's not good. You should like, what did you eat for people? Like, I do eat in front of people. <laughs> I eat in front of select people who make me feel comfortable so if i'm not eating around you like that's more about you that doesn't want me to break it yeah there's a bunch either it's not their fault there really is my kids are losing their minds like (laughs) that's that's reality a lot of the times it's not personal it's literally like i can't have a conversation kids are screaming like literally mom cannot sit like i can't sit down like no never like i have to eat it up later so yeah a lot of the times now it is i'm talking about maybe before i had kids there was definitely reasons, but now it might actually be sincere that I can't sit down and eat with my 18 month old going crazy. And my, <laughs> no, 
but yeah. the the Mormon food shame and the uncomfort with food gatherings, but the fact that the structure of church and Mormon functioning, at least in my experience, you were hungry most of the time because church was three hours long and eating you were was taboo. So hungry, yeah. And then I went to the where I lived off of FASFA and like experienced a temporary, you know, being lower income and I was hungry. Like I was a free meal meant a lot. I think we are going to run out of time though. So, so should we close? Yeah. We'll just bleed into another. It might be like, we'll just bleed into. <laughs> they can break it up. We'll see. Well, we'll, the next one we'll do an intro. So I guess we'll close in the name of Tess Part Holiday. Two. Google her if you don't know who that bad Drew bitch is. Drew, I'll follow. Oh, I love her. Yes, yes. Is it Ashley Ford or Ashley? I don't know. 